Success leaves clues, and in the Humans of Imperial podcast, we search for those clues in the stories of our alumni around the world. I'm Chris Roberts, and this week I speak with Mega Bola, an international health management graduate who swapped the clinical world for the business world. Mega is an innovation catalyst with Austria-based startup Sanus X, and she's a real example of someone who isn't afraid to take an opportunity when she sees one. So if you have an interest in healthcare, technology, entrepreneurship, or the healthcare challenges of the future, this episode is for you. Here's what you can expect this week. I've worked in different sectors. So I've worked in a government hospital. I've worked in private clinics as a consultant. And I've also worked with one of the largest chains of corporate chains of dental clinics in India. So there was a lot of, uh, uh, I think, mix of private as well as public dentistry that I was doing. Within the startup, there are so many such projects going on. So we are like mini startups within this huge startup. So the current role when somebody asks me, I'm like, okay, everything that you can think of that goes on in a company is what I do. At Imperial, if I talk about IHM, that's exactly what we were doing. We were looking at what strategy in healthcare is, what financing of healthcare is, what uh, uh, what unit economics in healthcare means. And now it's literally same things that I try to apply in my current role. Being in healthcare and being in healthcare startup, the healthcare background became a very solid base, of course. Mm. And Imperial sort of just boosted that experience to the place where I am right now. But but yes, as I said, you never know what's knocking on your door and it's really important to open the door. This is my conversation with Mega Bola. Omega, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Why don't we start with an introduction from yourself? Maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself too. Yes, thanks, Chris. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, um, yes, yeah, so about myself, I am Omega uh, Pola. <laughs> I uh, am a dentist by profession and uh, I completed my dental education in India. And then I worked as a prosthodontist, which is, which is one of the specializations of dentistry for three years. Um, before COVID hit and shook our lives. <laughs> and I think uh, uh, it, it was after that that I uh, went to Imperial, did my uh, second master's at Imperial with uh, IHM. And uh, yeah, currently I'm in Austria and I'm working for a healthcare startup here. Mm, just that. Um, can we explore your kind of career pre Imperial um, for a bit before mm-hmm. we move on to that? would be really interesting to find out more about it. So you were on the clinical side, weren't you? Yes, absolutely. So as I said that I, uh, my dental education was in India, which was like Mm. eight years of education. So it's like five years of your undergrad and then another three years for specialization. And uh, after my specialization, I was working in India for three years. Uh, I've worked in different sectors. So I've worked in a government hospital. I've worked in private clinics as a consultant. And I've also worked with one of the largest chains of corporate chains of dental clinics in India. So mm. there was a lot of, uh, uh, I think, mix of private as well as public dentistry that I was doing. Mm. And uh, as, I, as I said, I mean, COVID was a time where the dental practices, they were shut. The only thing we could do was look into the emergency cases. 
And I guess uh, somewhere this was also the time where I thought about switching from uh, the clinical practice to something else. Um, but yeah, this was this was majorly uh, what my time before joining Imperial was. It was all clinical. That's really interesting. So, so you say it was kind of the time of COVID. Did you always have a plan in mind to go into the sort of business side of things? Or was it COVID that triggered the decision to try and do something different? Well, you know, it was a bit of both because I had interest in learning about, you know, the management and the business aspects of healthcare. Uh, there was a time I also thought I wanted to do an MBA, <laughs> but uh, uh, but yes, COVID definitely um, somewhere catalyzed this entire thinking. And, you know, it, it sort of gave me that additional nudge to take the next step and see what uh, what happens. And yeah, I mean, that's that's how Imperial happened for me. <laughs> Well, that's really good. COVID was a bit like that, wasn't it? It was one of the, I think a lot of people sort of reevaluated things a little bit um, in the time yeah. when we couldn't go anywhere or do anything. You kind of, it, it, you forced you to think about what you were doing with your life and what you were going to do next. Absolutely. So uh, that's so true because there was so much of, yes, a, on one hand, self introspection that were, that one would do of mm. where your life is going, what are you doing? You know, it's your daily routine, getting up in the morning, looking at patients coming back home but what else is there in your life that definitely was one part of it but another part also because I was uh, uh, I was a clinician I was in the healthcare space and the I was looking at all these healthcare practices literally breaking down because of COVID and I think it was globally out there so on one hand it was definitely the the time that you get to self-introspect but on the other hand, you do not want to see the industry where you're working uh, in a situation that it was. So, uh, it, yes, absolutely. It was it, it was a tough time, I think, for everybody. Quite a bold move, too, if you don't mind me saying. Eight yeah. years of training and then three years of working on top of that. And then you decide to kind of pretty much change direction. Yes, it's it's a complete switch, is what I would say. Mm. But uh, and And the funny thing is, it's not a calculated switch. So it's mm. not that I thought about doing it this way. If you look at uh, a dentist's journey, a usual dentist's journey, uh, it's you do your undergrad, you do your post-graduation, you either get into a private practice or a public practice and you practice. And mm. that's what it is. You Somebody probably later would do some super specializations and CE courses, which is continuing education courses or something like that. But mm. the switch happens for very, very few people do it. And uh, uh, I think I was, I, I would call myself really lucky and, and I'm grateful for the experiences I've had and the opportunities that I've had. Um, and somewhere when I joined Imperial, it also changed that mindset for me because mm -hmm. it showed me a completely different side of healthcare, which I knew about, but I was not aware of. Uh, in a, in a, if, if I say from, from a way to the depth of it, I did not know about it. I knew what happens on the patient front because that's 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 the only part of healthcare I knew. I did not know mm. what else goes in that value chain. Well, let's fast forward to the time in the period. Was, was, I'm right in thinking it was 2020. Um, why don't you tell me why it was you, you chose Imperial, for starters? Uh, but also, it was international health management you studied as well, wasn't it? Yes, absolutely. So uh, your first question on why it was Imperial, I think... Um, so, as I said, I was interested in an MBA before and looking into the 
management and business uh, part of healthcare. So I was looking for a course which was healthcare focused and gave me something, uh, you know, uh, more more knowledge and, you know, sort of experience, practical experience on the management and business side. So there are a lot of uh, uh, case studies and everything that we do at Imperial, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was one. Why Imperial? Of course, I had other colleges that I did look into, but another nudge was because my brother, he he had done his executive MBA from Imperial. So I had a very solid foundation of why I should go to Imperial because I'd heard so many good stories from him. But that was one. But having said that, I think it was also the course when I looked at uh, the core uh, courses as well as the electives that Imperial had to Mm -hmm. offer versus the other courses that I was looking at uh, other universities. I think for me, uh, what I was finding with the international health management, it uh, it's it sort of fit. It's sort of I could relate more to it uh, because I wasn't looking at administration. I was looking at kind of a mini MBA with with healthcare mm-hmm. specialization, and that's what I was looking at. And um, I think that's what IHM sort of provided me with. So it mm-hmm. was more of a, for me the program was like a hand and glove sort of fit. So, yeah. Yeah. So what was the experience like? I imagine it was a bit of an interesting year, especially with COVID happening around about then. Yeah. So I was a COVID batch. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, yes, I did start remotely. And it was only towards the end of the first module that I moved to London. Uh, A very challenging time because uh, London was still in lockdown. Uh, We, uh, at Imperial also, we were coming in different groups to attend the classes. But uh, I guess even then, you know, even with all these restrictions, something that I uh, really appreciate is that how to work remotely and how to, uh, in, in, a, in a productive way, is something mm. that I really learned from Imperial. Like, and you also have to see, I'm not a tech person. I'm a person who is into clinical and dentistry and remote is something which does, just doesn't work for me. <laughs> I need live person in front of me to mm. treat the person. And for me, going on Zoom meetings and Zoom lectures and stuff was like, what's going on? I'm not a desk job person as well. So mm. yeah, it was challenging, but I guess there's so much more that Imperial had to offer, which which kind of made the entire experience pretty good. Must have been really interesting being on a program with a bit of a health focus during a time like that as well. Yes, absolutely. I mean, um, I uh, I started off, uh, uh, you know, remotely with Imperial, and uh, especially because of all the challenges that COVID had thrown at us. And it was only at the end of the first module that I kind of landed up in London. And uh, even then, things were still opening up. It was uh, still at a time where you couldn't go out and meet a lot of people. And mm. even at Imperial, we were attending classes in, in bubbles. I remember that it was called bubbles. Yeah. So we were, uh, I think the entire cohort was divided into three bubbles and one bubble could attend a lecture at one time and the second mm. bubble could attend another lecture. So it was like that. Uh, so yes, it was definitely challenging. but. Uh, one thing that I really liked and I uh, learned was this remote working. And this is something that I really learned from Imperial. I mean, as, as I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm a dentist, so I need live people in front of me to work. 
I, I have no, I have nothing to do with Zoom meetings. And and also to, to tell you that, I mean, it was during COVID that a lot of doctors moved to online consultations as well. And I think they also had the same issue because that's not the regular thing uh, mm-hmm. for them to do. But, but yeah, with Imperial, I think it was, uh, uh, that really helped. And I guess this is something I always say, you know, I was, uh, I was a student ambassador of my course at mm-hmm. IHM. And every student that I spoke to, I always said this, that your course and your lectures at Imperial, that is just 40% of your entire experience of Imperial, because there's so much more that you can do. And I guess I, uh, even if it was going remote, and then it slowly shifted to hybrid, and then it shifted to uh, in-person, we have, I mean, there's so many clubs, we have consulting clubs, healthcare clubs, the networking mm-hmm. events, the social events, there's so many lunch and learn sessions. There's so much more, your entire calendar can be so jam-packed. And at times you don't have time, you, you really need to make decisions. Should I go to networking session A or probably do a lunch and learn session B? So mm-hmm. there's so much that it has to offer. And uh, I mean, even to add to that, the, the hackathons, I, I was part of two of the healthcare hackathons at Imperial mm. and they were completely remote. They were uh, they were not in person because mm. there were people globally who were participating in it. But that was great. Yeah, it's funny how much things have changed, isn't it, in the world? Really? We don't kind of we don't think twice about jumping on a Zoom call or going on Teams or something like that now. Mm-hmm. But at the time beforehand, we didn't do any of that stuff really. Uh, everything's kind Absolutely. of changed. I mean, even now we're speaking. You're in Australia, I'm in the UK, and we're speaking via Zoom. Like everything's different now. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know what? It's 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 just become more. Uh, this is normal. That's that's what mm. it, it started off. It's the new normal, right? And I think COVID just made it easier for us. And everybody had to switch uh, to this new normal. The ones who couldn't or were delayed into switching to this new normal, it's, it, it does affect, right? Mm. So, I do feel for for students in those years that, like, you know, not just in Peru, everywhere. Um, you know, you traveled to to London, you said, but there were still yeah. lockdowns and there were still restrictions. You were still doing things remotely. And it, it, it's... Yeah, I felt for, I felt for people who travelled over for the one year of study they were planning on doing, and then found yeah. themselves kind of stuck in one room attending things remotely. Yeah, I mean, for me, the uh, I think the only advantage was because uh, that it had started to open up, so mm-hmm. I could still go out and I could still be at Imperial, even if. Uh, and it's funny, I'll, I'll tell you this. So even if we were of a bubble who was not attending the class at Imperial. Mm-hmm. The, our bubble would get together and probably attend classes from probably uh, the library or somewhere else. But we would still be in Imperial, just yeah. not in the theater, but in a different atmosphere. Maybe maybe yeah. just sitting at the garden and attending a lecture. But yeah, that's what we used to do. So we made our ways of uh, you know making the most of the experience yeah. that we that we got. Um, but yeah, few things are not in your hand, and you really can't uh, do anything about it, right? Yeah, it's true. It's good to hear that you made the most of it. So, I mean, you came to Imperial, it obviously went well. Um, can you talk us through what happened next and what what the, what the next thing you did after Imperial was? Yes. So, uh, I guess during, in fact, my, my next step started during Imperial, mm. uh, which was there was one part where we are uh, supposed to do, do an internship. So, that's one of the modules for the IHM program. And uh, uh, I was lucky to get the internship in the same company that I'm working for right now, which is Sanasex. And uh, this internship was 
something I always wanted to do. So I am really excited about the entire entrepreneurship and innovation stuff in healthcare. And that's something that excites me. And the entire internship at Sanasex, it's about uh, entrepreneurship. It's, mm. it's called an entrepreneur in residence program. And it's, it's a seven weeks internship. And that's something that I started with. And once I had completed the internship, I gave an interview for the full-time role and I and I got that. And that's how I switched to the next country, <laughs> which was Austria. Mm, that's really interesting. It's, I think that's a, a good insight for current students too, because they're going to have to get to this point where they do a project or an internship. And yours went on to become a job, which is yeah. which is was really cool. Yes, it indeed was. And in fact, there was for a lot of people in my uh, during in my cohort who were interning with some company and they lined up with full time role. That's good. Yeah. So what sort of things what sort of things were you doing during the internship? Oh, this is interesting, actually. So just to give you a brief. So this program of EIR, it's a seven weeks long program mm-hmm. and it is run by an NCR bootcamp mentor. Mm-hmm. Uh it's basically focused on ideating and validating new business opportunities in the healthcare space. It's very intense, but at the same time, it's so much of fun because intense, why so? To give a give an example of the intensity that within the first two days, my cohort of uh, uh, who was there for the internship program, uh, we were 14 interns we had ideated around 197 ideas in healthcare space. In and two days? In two days. <laughs> yes. And in two days in different verticals. So that was like primary care and pharmacy and elderly care and mental health. Everything that we found, you know, some sort of a gap or we found something or the other just became an idea. So it was 197 ideas that we had already brainstormed on in two days. And but of course, I think from them, from 197, we dropped down to five, which you then work on in groups uh, for the next seven weeks, uh, six weeks. And um, I think what happens is it's it's like you're really living the life of an entrepreneur. You are mm. validating an idea. You're doing market research. You're you're uh, talking to people to see whether something might work, might not work, who your external partners might be. You're doing everything. And I guess what after the seven weeks, my entire understanding and approach towards any new business idea, especially if it if it's under in the healthcare space, it was completely transformed. It, mm. And I think that is something that I really liked about my uh, internship. I, I really enjoyed it. I was in awe of the entire program. <laughs> it sounds like if a student was listening to this now and they had the choice between doing a, a sort of project or doing an internship, you would definitely fall on the internship side. Yeah, I mean, uh, pretty organic also for me because I did that. I mean, a lot of people I know, they did enjoy the project as well. And it's not that it's not enjoyable, it's of course, but then it also, it it depends upon how you feel or what you want mm-hmm. to do. Do you really want to, do you want to work in a project or do you want to do something which is completely different? And there were different kinds of internships. Like for me, it was a completely entrepreneur based. And I had others who were doing internship on uh, with some companies for the pharma company or with some other company who would give them a project to work on. So mm. there were different types of internships. It really depends on the kind of, uh, you know, projects that, that are there and the internships that are there. And uh, 
what what you relate with because there's so much that there's 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 this huge cloud of things that imperial just provides you with i mean i remember we had 60 or more than more than 60 projects and the list that was provided to us to yeah. choose from and uh, where you want to go it's literally like betting on okay i want a project or b project <laughs> But it was it's it's quite interesting. And with internship, of course, you got to apply, you got to go through the process. It's not that you want the internship and you get it. Mm. So even with Sanasex, uh, it was we had a CV round, a, a, um, a cover letter round, a video interview, mm. uh, another interview. So there were like four rounds before mm. the taking turns. But yeah. these, these things are good practice though, aren't they, either way? I mean, I'd, I'd probably recommend students apply for things like that anyway, because even if you yeah. don't get it, you've got some really good experience of recruitment processes that you are definitely yeah. going to face in a, a more formal setting when you go for a full-time role. 100%. 100%. I cannot uh, uh, say anything less than that, because A, it prepared me for the interviews, and uh, secondly, it's, it's, it's also that something that you're going to do you know so 100% one should mm. uh, just go through the process i think this is something i heard from even the career support at imperial mm. uh, at times i would feel that you know maybe i'm not eligible enough for a particular role or for a particular interview but mm. still at times they're like just just go for the uh, just just to get an idea of what an interview might look like mm. the, the more you do it the less nervous you are isn't it yeah you 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 at least you you do come out with learnings at the end of the mm. day you know and 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 you and you can always use them in in your uh, next interview. You, you iterate your answers. Your answers are so different, and you you would really laugh at your answers what you gave in the first interview versus what you gave in yeah I don't know after ten interviews or whatever. But yeah. the answers are so different, and you're like, why did I answer that in that interview? <laughs> But even when you do have those times when you say something and you cringe about it when you get home later and you think, why did I say that? That's learning because, you know, you're never going to do that again. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? At times they become uh, uh, they become the basis for your, uh, of course, basis for your next interview is one, but they also become your stories for the next interview. I, I remember that happened to me where I was asked, what is the stupidest or funniest thing you've done in an interview? And uh, I, I actually gave a story <laughs> of my previous interview. Feel free to share. <laughs> okay, that's going to be embarrassing. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think uh, it was, I was interviewing with some company that in, uh, in, in UK itself. And prior to that, I was just exploring how interviews and everything would work. Mm. And uh, I had inter- uh, I interviewed for one company. They were asking me about, I don't know, strengths or weaknesses, something like that. What are your strengths or what are your weaknesses? Mm-hmm. And I kind of said it the other way around. Uh, yeah, my strengths became my weakness and weakness became my strength. And then I was also trying to give a reason why it is the other way around. Mm-hmm. And now if I look back, uh, I just I just feel that okay it could be true but it could have been handled in a better way mm. you know interviews I don't want to go into this too much because it's kind of going off topic a little bit but with interviews I think people forget that a good interviewer isn't trying to cut you out a good interviewer is trying to help you give the best answer possible because they want to find someone for the job and if you're the right person for the job they don't want to miss it because they try to cut you out you know I think yeah. that's just it's one of those things that Interviews can be stressful situations yeah. at the best of times, but knowing that they're trying to help you do your best comforts me a little bit. 
No, absolutely. And I think some of the best interviews that I have given are the ones who, which have just been like a conversation. I never yes. felt, I never came out of the interview thinking, oh God, that was so stressful. I came out mm. of the interview thinking it was such a nice conversation. And mm. to be honest, that's that's what even happened with Sanasex. And mm-hmm. moreover, also because in the seven weeks, you're interacting so much with the entire company, with the leadership, you just become very comfortable. And uh, the interview was more of a, like a, a casual conversation, but it was a good one, though. And I imagine having the internship beforehand kind of helped when it came to the interview. How did you um, how did you leverage your internship when it got to securing your current role? Well, um, so so as I said, the 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 internship is it it is pretty structured, and mm. it is all about now in other internships might be a little different, but I can speak for this one, how that helped. Uh, So this, because it is pretty structured, we had to show progress of what we are doing every week to uh, the management, to the MDs and the CEO. So we were literally every week pitching our progress to to the management. I think what happened in this process is if you're doing that once or twice a week, you are so comfortable talking to them and mm. you have also you, you sort of um, make connections within the company and know people know the culture of the company and that kind of really helps you know knowing the culture mm. of the company really helps and I always feel it is a two-way street so it's it's not just you trying to see if you're a good fit for the role or the company per se but it's also the company that says whether you mm. are the kind of person who would fit uh, or would gel with the way we are and mm-hmm. I guess this this internship because there was it was such a good interaction that was going on uh, throughout those seven weeks uh, I guess it it just uh, that's the edge that it gave me in mm-hmm. uh, in terms of understanding whether I want to be here or not. Mm-hmm. So tell us about your current role uh, obviously you're still at the same company uh, tell us about uh, what it is you do now. Uh, that's that's, you know, honestly, Chris, the most difficult question for me. <laughs> because, uh, the, you know, at Sanasex, there is no template that we follow. Mm. It's it's like, this is your, this is your project. Deal mm. with it the way you want to deal with it. Do whatever you want to do. And it's, it's so it basically works in the Netflix culture. Uh, that's how our company uh, functions. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a complete freedom and responsibility. So when I come to my, if I talk about my role, the role per se is innovation catalyst. And uh, what I'm currently doing, the, the, the project I'm working on is validating a new business model for dental tourism. Okay. What this means that I fluctuate between various jobs. So I am, I'm also ideating how this might look like. I do the market research. I'm networking with stakeholders. I'm negotiating contracts. I'm preparing a business plan. I'm looking at what a go-to-market strategy might look like. So it's everything literally that you're doing, looking at what sort of investment you might need and then pitching it to the management. So within the startup, there are so many such projects going on. So we are like mini startups within this huge startup. So the current role when somebody asks me, I'm like, okay, everything that you can think of that goes on in a company is what I do. Mm-hmm. It's 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 basically that. But 
having said that, you know, the biggest advantage that I feel this this role gives us is that um, you learn so much and from different aspects. It's it's not a just a desk job. They're, they're, the days are so different, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you're learning financials, but at the same time, you're learning how what sales might look like. You're learning what marketing might look like. And this is also something that uh, we did in Imperial. So mm-hmm. at Imperial, if I talk about IHM, that's exactly what we were doing. We were looking at mm-hmm. what strategy in healthcare is, what financing of healthcare is, what uh, uh, what unit economics in healthcare means. And now it's literally same things that I try to apply in my current role. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's kind of a lot of things, as I said, <laughs> multiple hats that I have to change every day. But it's really exciting. But the best part, you get all the support that you need. So it's just about voicing yourself to the leadership and it's taken care of. Mm. You mentioned that the IHM program was was really relevant to what you do now. And actually something I'm really interested to hear from you about is you transitioned from working in a clinical environment. You went to business school with the plan to get into the more management side. And now you work on that side. How have you found that transition from clinical to a sort of business environment? Yeah, I mean, if I have to be honest, it was difficult, especially because I am a clinician and you're very clinically wired, right? Mm-hmm. When, you, when you're moving from being a dentist to something which is not directly patient-facing, you mm-hmm. need to unlearn so many things and then relearn a lot of other things as well. You know, so so there was a lot of proactive change of mindset which was required from my end. And that I had to do, that I had to undergo as well. And, you know, that's why, and I'm and I'm glad that, you know, it was clinical, imperial, and then now this startup yes. environment for me, because imperial somewhere was a very good bridge uh, uh, for me. It, it, it sort of trained me, you know, to look at the situations from a business lens and not just a clinical lens, but somewhere being in healthcare and being in healthcare startup the healthcare background became a very solid base of course mm. and imperial sort of just boosted that experience to the place where i am right now and i guess what what really helps me is that i that i can see it from a business aspect and at the same time see from a clinical aspect and find what the sweet spot might look like so mm. the transition if i have to say was definitely difficult because every time, at times, I used to also feel, am I missing on something? Because, you know, you've 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 literally invested so many years of your life in a mm-hmm. uh, in a particular industry, and then you think about the switch, which is not a very regular switch. It's it's uh, quite a different switch. But then, um, yes, as I said, I think it was a lot of change of mindset, and mm-hmm. and you sort of, I sort of got trained when I was at Imperial. Mm. I like that you said Imperial is a bridge. That's such a good metaphor for for what it is you've got to do. So you had the clinical background and what you do now isn't completely out of the field that you were working in before, but you had that bridge in between to help you get from A to B. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't just say it, you know, for the heck of saying it, but it's really true because if I look at the, the core courses of IHM and I look at the things that I'm doing right now, uh, it, it helps. It's, mm. It literally is 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 a good fit for me. Mm. 
Um, changing the topic slightly, um, there is one other thing I wanted to ask you about. So you're you're from India. You studied in the UK at Imperial, obviously, and now you're based in Austria. You've had a bit of an international kind of experience over the last few years. Was it always the plan to be a bit a bit international and bounce around different places? And how have you found it? Ah, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't the plan, if I have to be uh, honest to you. It was never. It really is. <laughs> I mean, it rarely is, right? I mean, I think if 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 somebody asks me back in 2020 what I wanted, well, I never even thought I would be sitting in Austria doing a Zoom meeting with you for a podcast. <laughs> I never would have thought about it. But uh, yes, it was a very. It, I think there's something that just came, you know. So whatever best opportunity came in front of me, I I sort of grabbed it, and I'm truly grateful for getting those opportunities and getting the experiences that I've had till now. It has for sure been a very uh, international, a good international exposure. And I guess every aspect of this journey from me moving from India to UK and from UK to Austria, I think somewhere it has helped me Mm. grow and evolve beyond borders, language, culture, everything. Mm. I mean, UK, of course, there was a there was a huge diversity. It's, it's a very diverse college. Your your cohort, I I don't remember now how many countries the people came from, but we, we were very diverse. And I guess it's you know uh, sort of helped me uh, see different aspects, you know, from different people from different countries. What what they think, what the uh, what they have to offer, what their mm-hmm. thinking might be like, and then. How do you work with these people in uh, together in order to achieve what you want to achieve? And mm. I guess that's something that was really nice. And even again, uh, you know, so so that somewhere was a good advantage, um, uh, was a good preparation, not advantage, sorry, but it was a good preparation for me to move to Austria. But yeah, mm. Austria is a different ball game. It's a completely different language. Of course, I'm learning German now. Not not mm. that good at it yet. But, uh, I think anyone if they're if you're moving to a new country the onus is on you to mm. sort of you know know the language the culture the um the area per se mm. but uh yes there have been challenges i'm not going to deny that the especially when i came here language was a challenge i'm i'm a little more comfortable than what i was a year back but uh i think that comes with time you you uh, do get into it and of course yeah. uh also you know uh you always love your roots. You always, you know, tend to look back where, how things were in your place, you know, wherever you come from. But then moving from India to UK and then UK to Austria, now it's like, because I've moved and switched these countries, I kind of never take it just to India, but I actually take it to UK and the multiple people from different countries I met there. Mm. So it's, 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 I think, it, it's very good. And I personally feel people should switch countries and <laughs> gain these experiences because they, they just change you so much. Mm. They, uh, you don't know where, where you might land up, but they, they, they just change your mindset so much. And I'm truly grateful for all these experiences that I've had. There are some really interesting points, I think, to take away from what you just said. I mean, first of all, the importance of just taking the opportunities that are in front of you. But the other one, um, so if there's a student, for example, listening to this podcast now, 
they've just joined Imperial. And even if they think they have an idea of where they want to be in a year's time, you probably have no idea where you're going to be in a year's time and you don't know what opportunities are going to be in front of you. So, you know, keep an eye out for them and take them when you can. Absolutely. I mean, when I was in UK, I was majorly interviewing for uh, companies in London. I mm. did not interview for anything else. And when, even when internship happened, because my internship was remote, I was like, okay, it's a remote internship. So what if the company is in Austria? You can do it. Mm. And uh, I, I never thought about Austria ever. I never thought about moving to Austria. I never thought about um, even getting this opportunity. Mm. Uh, but but yes, as I said, you never know what's knocking on your door and it's really important to open the door. Mm. And Imperial is a bridge to get there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, see, the, the thing is that it is one place where you have people from different backgrounds, cultures, countries coming together. And even companies from from different company uh, from different countries just mm. you know, that that you have it's like a I don't know uh, how do you say it it's like a yellow pages for companies <laughs> right the, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean so, so why not why would you mm. not look at other places as well yeah. and uh, yeah it, it was I, I would say it was a bold move and it will I will not deny I was really scared of taking the move. But mm. I'm glad I took it. I'm really mm. glad I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Um, so you've got a background sort of in healthcare. Obviously, you were clinical before, uh, but you still work in the healthcare kind of sphere. I'm really interested to get your insight. Uh, it's obviously a growing industry around the world. We've had COVID and things like that, and things have changed because of that. What do you see as the major sort of healthcare challenges of the future? Yeah, I mean... You're right. It is it is growing, but at the same time, it's it's a bit difficult because, I mean, healthcare is such a diverse and and a complex industry. It's it's not complicated. It is a complex industry, and at the same time, a ever evolving industry. You know, and it is evolving at a very fast pace. And somewhere, I feel that we as either individuals who are working in the space, leaders of the industry, policymakers, especially. I guess we just need to be more and more proactive in terms of determining what's next. I somewhere feel that we address the current challenges with a very primitive mindset. And that's something that's not going to work. You need to change the mindset. You need to be as fast uh, as what the industry is posing for in front of you. And I mean, we all know what the challenges are. We know there is mental health issues. We know we need to do things to uh, uh, cater to that. There are chronic diseases. There are new diseases. There's, there's COVID. There's monkeypox. There's I don't know what all come, uh, keeps coming up. There are there's an entire problem. Uh, you know, uh, topic about will chat GPT take over doctors? So <laughs> there is there's so much you know that's that's going on. And somewhere we feel we are still in. Uh, 1980s or 60s at times when we want to challenge something new and I guess some, that is something that really needs to catapult and come uh, uh, the, the mindset really needs to change and only then we can make strong and stark changes within the industry we all know what's wrong I don't think so there's anybody out here who doesn't know what's wrong or what the problem is it's just how do you want to tackle it? Do you, do you really want to be that slow in tackling it? 
you'll have 10 more challenges that will come in front of you in the next 10 years and you will have a backlog of 100 more challenges that you wouldn't have tackled. So it's just building up. It's just building up. We really need to be fast when it comes to tackling any challenge or taking a decision of how to do it, what to do it. I think that's what's more important. At least that's what I have seen. Yeah, you mentioned mental health in there as well. And mental health seems to be something that's becoming a bigger challenge kind of by the minute, to be honest. What do you what do you see happening on that side? I think with mental health, you know, there's something which is which is preventive. That's mm-hmm. one. And I think it is also something that needs a lot of awareness. Uh I guess. Still, in even in developed countries, there is a taboo related to it, which shouldn't be there. We need that sort of an awareness and openness when it comes to mental health. A lot can be done by corporates uh, because, let's face it, we all are working people and uh, uh, you need that sort of support. And um, a lot can be done by corporates in order to ensure you have a mental health, a, a good mental health uh, day. And I, and I guess few of them are even doing it. I was recently talking to somebody, one of our uh, partners that we work with, and he said that once a quarter they have every Wednesday, they have a Wednesday off, which is labeled as mental health uh, Wednesdays or something like that. And they deliberately do it. So, I, so I, these are, I mean, these are small, small things, you mm. know, that people can do providing mm. some sort of assistance to your, uh, uh, to your um, employees that they, mm. you know, safe space for them to work in, a safe space for them to talk about. Mm. And more than that, and even extend it further, your families, your relationships. And there's so many aspects to mental health. And I think that awareness is very important. Knowing about it is important um, and not judging. Mm. I guess uh, there's so many apps that are out there to help you. So, I guess it's just important to get over your own barriers and sort of mm. make it work for yourself. And of course, preventive is one important thing. Mm. I love that day off thing. I've never heard a company doing that before. What I really like because you see those the kind of jokes and things about companies asking about how we can improve this this area, maybe mental health or something like that, staff morale, maybe something like that. Uh, and the joke is, you know, more money, more time off, and they're like, oh, nothing like that. You know, do some yoga. But actually, <laughs> someone actually giving people a day off once a quarter, it's quite a small yeah. thing in the grand scheme of things, but it actually shows a company taking it seriously. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I when when I read that, I was like, wow, this is this is great. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yes, you have everything. You have headspace out there, you have meditation exercises, you can always do yoga, you can you can do so many things, but the, as I said, you know, you you need to show how how is it that you're promoting? How is it that you are showing that you care? That's so important. Yeah, and and I think that happens with everything. Be it any institution, be it a, a be it a be it family. That's why probably you need holidays as well. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, one question I always like to ask on the podcast uh, is. What kind of advice do you have for current students? So um, another way to look at it is if you could go back in time and give yourself advice from knowing what you know now, what would that advice be? Yeah, I mean, wow, Chris, there's so much to this, you know, because uh, I, when I was applying for Imperial, I think one of the biggest things that 
I did not know was I didn't start researching well on time. I I actually re, uh, started looking at courses at Imperial very late in the cycle. That's one. And so my first advice would be give time and research more. And I think what's the second very important thing is what is it that you want to get out of Imperial or the course that you're looking at? I think it is so important for anyone to analyze what suits you and what fits your goal. And this is something that needs time. And I think this is something that even the application process somehow really helps you uncover. If if somebody, uh, for the future students, for, for them, it's very important to note, there's so much in the application process that you, you really need to sit back and, and think about it before you can go ahead. And it's not that you I start with my application today and I'm going to finish it tonight. Mm. Trust me, you're not doing justice to yourself. So sit with it, get the question, go back, think about it. Tell your story to yourself. Because mm. I guess somewhere when we tell our story or what we have gone through or what we have done to ourselves, there's so much we uncover. And mm. there's so much that we that we realize about ourselves, understand about ourselves. And, and you know, it's then that you can actually see where the gaps are mm. and how imperial or a particular course can help you fill those gaps. So it's really important giving time. I think that's 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 one big thing that I can say. Uh, don't rush into it. Uh, do a good research. That's very important. Do a good re- research and sit with yourself when you are when you are doing this because I think it's a great process. The, these applications are tedious, but it's a great process for you to learn about yourself. I learned so much about myself because I remember I was sitting and applying and there was this one question about, uh, I think it was about, uh, you know, uh, a difficult situation professionally or personally and how you handled it. Mm. And I had no clue what to add. (laughs) I had no clue what to add. I I literally, I think for three days, the application was stuck there. It did not go further. So Mm. I think there's so much of self introspection that you that you do but yes more than anything else be true uh be be yourself and it shows in the application if you're not being yourself and you're just building things up so just be mm-hmm. yourself and th- because that is what um uh, is looking at and at the same time that is also what y- you should be it's just easier integration mm. mr mega thank you so much for that and thank you for taking the time to join me on the on the podcast i really I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me here, Chris. I mean, it was it was so good. It, uh, the pleasure is all mine. And uh, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for the time and the opportunity. Big thank you to Mega for taking the time to join me. I really enjoyed that conversation and it's great to hear from someone who knew exactly where they wanted to be and got there, even if they didn't have all of the details at the start. For many reasons, healthcare is a growing industry, and it was fascinating to hear Mega's thoughts as someone who worked on the clinical side and decided to move into the business side of healthcare. I love that description of Imperial and the Masters in International Health Management as a bridge between her past and her present too. It's such a good metaphor, and it perfectly describes her journey so far. Another thing I liked is that having an international career wasn't actually the plan, and I think there's a lesson in there about being open to opportunities and grabbing them when they come your way. 
I like how she said that if you'd asked her what she wanted at the start of her studies, she would never have been able to guess where she ended up. This is how it goes sometimes, maybe every time, if your eyes are open to those opportunities. But to end this episode, why don't we use Mega's words instead of mine? Be true, be yourself. Thanks again to Mega, and don't forget to hit subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, why not share it with somebody else too? I've been Chris Roberts, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>